0: WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. Right, right. Because he, he's a contrarian. He just wants to kind of mix it up. And if Nobody's the Colts he can say, "I knew," and I just don't want to jinx him. Nobody right. will remember if
1: he's wrong.
2: That's exactly. That's right on the money. That's exactly yeah. what I thought when I read that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Usually
3: they're pretty unanimous about those things, but today I was surprised. Actually, they were half and half last week. Were they half and half last yes. week too? Uh, yeah.
0: Hey, I was happy last week. They're they're they gave yeah, my team no a kidding. buy. That's exactly right. <laughs>
1: The deal to avoid the fiscal cliff. Who voted for it in the Indiana delegation and why? Joe Donnelly takes the oath of office. Three new Indiana representatives are sworn in. And the state Supreme Court takes up the case involving fines on absent Democrats. That plus the treatment of mentally ill prisoners Chuck Bagano and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending January 4, 2013.
2: ice miller proud to support indiana week in review the path to a successful business has unexpected twists and turns the legal professionals at ice miller are dedicated to guiding businesses along the journey experience takes businesses to the top ice miller can help them stay there ice miller it's a complex world be advised
1: This week, Congress avoided the fiscal cliff, but it means higher payroll taxes for most of us after the elimination of a two-year, two-percent tax holiday on the payroll tax that goes to Social Security. The deal includes new taxes for just two percent of Americans, individuals who make $400,000 or more, and couples who make $450,000 or more. But while President Obama highlighted the fact that the middle class was spared a hike in income taxes, they will get smaller paychecks. Congressman Andre Carson, who voted for the deal, along with fellow Democrat Joe Donnelly, said through a spokesman that steps had to be taken to reduce the deficit. The tax holiday, he said, was meant to be temporary all along. GOP Senator Dan Coats also voted for the deal, as did Dick Luger. The spokeswoman for Coats says there was bipartisan opposition to the idea of extending the tax holiday on the payroll tax. Is this a good deal for taxpayers? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel: Democrat Dan Parker, Republican Mike McDaniel, Nikki Kelly, State House Bureau Chief of the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette, and John Ketzenberger, President of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House Reporter Jim Shella. Dan Parker, the option here was a no vote that would lead to an income tax hike, and all of the House Republicans from Indiana voted no. no was
0: that a good political move not really I mean this was the best deal only deal available uh, it was a bipartisan deal um, the vote that occurred in the Senate I thought gave uh, everyone uh, in the Indiana delegation enough cover to to, to vote for it um, so the question they're gonna have to ask is but maybe in a primary is did they want higher taxes for everybody
1: but Andre Carson and Joe Donnelly voted for a bill that, that means that people are going to get smaller paychecks, and it's hard to pin this on, on the other guys somehow that, that things would have been worse after the fact, right?
0: Well, the payroll tax was, was always meant to be a temporary thing. It was passed during the economic stimulus, and so, I mean, that was going to expire uh, eventually. Um, so you can call that a, a whatever you want to call it, but it was, it, it was in place for, for longer than what most people thought. But this was a this was a bill that uh, did uh, spare 98 percent of Americans of, of, for higher taxes.
1: Okay, from that perspective, why did all the Republicans vote no?
3: And Viskovsky,
1: and Pete Viskowski.
3: So it wasn't all just the Republicans. That's true. Okay. And Dan Burton. And Dan Burton didn't vote at all. Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember. I, maybe it was just me, but I don't remember a lot of discussion about the payroll tax going back up during this whole discussion. It was the, all the, about the word is the, the tax on the rich.
1: President Obama took the payroll tax holiday off the table in early December.
3: Yeah, well my point is there was never really any public discussion about that. I don't think most Americans thought that if a deal was reached they were going to wake up with a smaller paycheck. I think they thought it was all going to shift
1: to I that's the, poor, right. the
3: rich and so I think there was a bait and switch here in the minds of the American public which I don't think is going to sit very well with a lot of people and the big scheme of things since. A lot of these people were on their way out the door anyway, those that aren't going to be back. you know, It probably did not have that much of a political effect. But I think Americans think that and understand that they kicked the problem down the road uh, because they're going to have to deal with making cuts in the budget, and they don't like the fact that the overall deal wasn't made and that we're still going to be back in the same situation uh, 30 days from now or 60 days from now and another 90 days from now and we're going to be right back where we were and i don't th- i think america's sick of it quite frankly what, what is the reaction
4: i mean i can only talk about emails i get or responses i see but i mean i think in general mike's right i think a lot of people feel like they're kind of on a hamster wheel you know we keep doing these short term kick the can down little you know fixes and and we don't do any real entitlement reform or cuts in other agencies and I, and i i also think they're tired of the whole like if someone suggests we we cut this, they say, well that that does hardly anything. But if we don't start somewhere, we don't get anything. Mm-hmm.
1: So y- you take away a tax holiday, which uh, is easy to sell uh, politically because you say that that um, you know it was going to be removed at some point anyway, and you you keep income tax rates lower than they would have been without the bill. I mean, I I see people here glass over. It's hard to explain.
2: Well, and therein is the out for the politicians, and I think which is the root of the frustration for the rest of America. Politicians have consistently and for a long time now looked for a political edge rather than, and I know that that's not a surprising thing, but we're to the point now where there are real consequences to not dealing with the fiscal nature of our problems. You know we're a big debtor nation, we're beholden to many others, Um, our economy is struggling and sluggish, Uh, people are, are a lot of vested interests are continuing to get their breaks while other people are having to pay for those and Congress cannot get anything done. I think the the real opportunity that has been lost and may not be regained is that they had a window that they created by their own artifice with this fiscal cliff and they said you know you got a chance to do some real reform here and they chose not to and that's got some potentially real really serious consequences so the political question may yet need to be answered what are the consequences and and i think they're out there
0: i mean i think everything you said was true okay but there was an attempt me to have a grand bargain on both spending and taxes it, it couldn't happen with a small minority of the majority party in the house stopping even the, the speaker's own plan um, I mean, the person here who I think gets, I mean, the two people, I think, in this situation who get a lot of credit for actually coming together and getting something done is Mitch McConnell and, and the vice president. And, you know, I think that, uh, uh, you know, obviously another two months from now, we're going to be right back in the same spot. But at least the tax question is now off the table. Well, now we have to deal, everyone understands we have to deal with spending. You don't, you don't think that this in some way opens
1: the door to more tax increases?
0: I, I think that's off the table.
3: I don't think it's off the table at all. In fact, uh, here's the problem with what happened here, in my opinion. You know, the biggest detriment to job creation in this country is uncertainty about where this economy is, what people are dealing with as far as taxes, taking money back that uh, we're way overspending. Business is uncertain. So they're not going to create jobs in that environment. They've been saying that for the better part of two, two, three years now. And they had a chance to change that and didn't, and so we continue to do it, which means, in my opinion, saying, which means, in my opinion, that the recovery that the, we all hope is going to happen is going to be even slower because there's still the same uncertainty we had before. But, Michael,
0: the tax situation is now
3: is now settled. The tax situation the Dow is Dow reacted the well after, yeah. after the deal. The tax situation is only part of that equation. The other part of it is government True. spending. If most businesses think that on the government may fail at some would something? you agree no. that the uncertainty because on taxes is done? more I than mean, we you, take in. No, I don't think it's, no, it's a, don't. done at all. Are you blaming everybody? I'm blaming everybody. I've been saying that all along. I mean, we we got to come. I will say this: the one thing that gives me hope now that wasn't there before is that I hear I hear groups of people on both sides of the aisle finally saying look, we've got to get past this stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because there are a lot of new people elected. They all say that when they start. I hope <laughs> that's not the case. Yeah. But my point is, at least I'm hearing more of that now. Maybe they will come together. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific
1: online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question is, will the increase in the payroll tax force you to change your spending habits? Your choices are A, yes, B, no, or C, maybe. Last week's question was, will the absence of an election in 2013 affect your life? 19% said, yes, I live for elections. 72% said, no, I need a break. 9% said, ugh more car ads. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to WFYI.org IWIR and look for the poll. U.S. Senator Joe Donnelly took his oath of office to represent Indiana this week. Former Sen- Senators Evan Bayh and Dick Luger were there as Vice President Joe Biden delivered the oath. Donnelly, a Democrat, said he hopes to follow in the footsteps of Bayh and Luger with plans to join a group of Senate moderates who he says will be in the center of legislative action. Donnelly replaces Luger after serving three terms in the house mike mcdaniel you were often critical of evan by can donnelly be more effective than by was
3: oh i don't think there's any question he could be more effective than evan by was if he goes to the microphone once or twice he'd probably be more effective mm-hmm. which by never did but uh, uh, it's one of these things where look you know uh, joe donnelly in the campaign said uh, i'm going to be a moderate and i hope he is I hope he hope he lives up. It's like Reagan to Gorbachev trust, but verify. We'll see if he actually is what he says he is. But during the campaign, he said, I'm, "I may not vote for Harry Reid." in his attempt to get Luger Republicans to vote for him. His first vote was for Harry Reid.
1: Well, you so, knew that you was going to
3: happen, well, right? I did, but, you know, <laughs> a lot of people bought into that when he said during the campaign, I mean not Will vote you, for were, Harry Reid. Were his you first inside first that caucus? Was, his first vote was for Harry Reid. Were you inside and when that he, caucus? The, did you see the reason he gave for a vote for Harry Reid? It was the only choice. Because his caucus said that's who we want. Is he going to vote because of the way his caucus wants every time? Oh, come on. Well, I said first vote's for Harry Reid, and that's what he did. Is it possible to go against
0: the party? Sure, (laughs) Joe Donnelly's done. He's got a his three terms in the House. He's got a history of doing that. Um, You know, he's gone against his own president. He's gone against his own caucus in the House. He's going to do that in the Senate. He will. It's different in the Senate, isn't it? Well, there's less votes because you know there's a filibuster that stops everything. But uh, you know, Joe Donnelly has joined with other moderates in the in the uh, in the chamber. There's more moderates this in this Senate than the last, and they're going to work together to to uh, you know bring legislative action back to the middle and that's where it needs to be.
1: Democrats are in the majority, is that
2: this is good for Indiana because of that? Well sure, I mean in the the sense that uh, uh, he has any sway it's, it's amplified by the fact that he's in the majority party but I think that the points made by both Dan and Mike are relevant here that there's a you know the center that everybody keeps talking about if it takes hold then he's got a chance to be primarily situated in that and I think that rather than party identification or caucus identification uh... maybe uh... the opportunity for
1: him. were you surprised to see dick Luger taking part in this ceremony was 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 that a message to the to the folks who voted against him in the primary
4: oh i don't think so i think it's just He's what dick Luger out. does yeah i mean i thought he would be there the whole time i also think by the way it's going to be easier for joe donnelly to be more moderate in the senate you know you're not running every two years where every single one of your votes is you know a constant right. campaigning mode so i think he might actually find it easier to be a little more moderate
0: I'd be remiss if I didn't say that you forgot Birch Bayh also escorted him down. I was unaware of that. Thank you.
3: Again, first time since 1962 we haven't had a buyer or a Luger in the United States Senate
1: interesting fact three indiana freshmen were among those who took the oath in the indiana house of representatives all three are republican former state lawmaker luke messer replaces governor-elect mike pence in the sixth district former u s attorney susan brooks replaces dan burton who did not seek reelection in the fifth and jackie Walorski, another former state lawmaker replaces joe donnelly in the second john ketzenberger which of those three has the brightest future on capitol wow. hill
2: That's not asking much out of the crystal ball, is it? Um, I think they all have a real opportunity uh, and only time will tell. But getting out of the gate, you have to look at a couple of them first, I think. um, You know, uh, Susan Brooks has garnered an awful lot of attention uh, for her uh, potential and Luke Messer was marked as the leader of the freshman caucus. So, you know, I guess if it was a horse race, they would be out of the gate cleanly and in a hurry, but only time will really tell. Yeah, um,
1: they've got to deal with some really tough issues here right off the top. They already had to vote on on uh, Hurricane Sandy relief. And and we saw Marlon Stutzman and, and Todd Rokita vote against that. Is that a surprise?
4: I'm not too surprised, at least for Marlon Stutzman. I, I didn't pay attention to whether Todd Rokita had already sort of made comments down that road. But I think they generally have said we've got to stop spending somewhere. And I think they're trying to be consistent with their... You know, anti-spending beliefs.
1: Do they need to hope that there's
3: no tornado damage? Uh, no, that, their, their votes on this, uh, uh, the way I heard it explained, was that that this was loaded up with a lot of other stuff that didn't have anything to do with hurricane relief, and that's why they were voting against this bill. So, if they're talking about voting against a bunch of pork, I think they can make that argument and make it pretty well. But. Uh, uh, look, these are three quality people. i, I got to admit that I'm proud of the fact that these three people are our newest members in Congress. Messer, like you said, head of the freshman class. Susan Brooks, I think, has got an unbelievable future for her there uh, and and potentially to move up eventually into if she wants to. And I think Jackie Walorski will be, as she was here, a fighter for important issues. And so I think we had uh, uh, probably one of the best freshman classes we've ever had. Three new women in Congress, two from Indiana. Yep. Two when, Republican women from Indiana. Yeah,
1: when, as Mike said last week, we haven't sent a Republican woman uh, to Congress since, since
0: 1959. Um, you don't care. <laughs> I'll just say that, to go back to the original question, um, wolorski will have the most difficult time, just because she's in a tougher district. Um, it'll, I think Susan has a lot of potential if she could sort of be a leader of some folks that are moderate and in the middle uh, to bring people to get things done. And uh, Luke is, is a really quality guy, that, and I'm glad to see that he got elected uh, to the position that he's in, and hopefully he can show some leadership as well.
1: Moving on. Democrats who walked out of the Indiana House of Representatives in 2011 and 2012 were fined for being absent. The fines were ordered by House Speaker Brian Bosma when Democrats fled to an Illinois hotel to prevent action on the Right to Work bill in 2011. House rules permit the fines that grew to $1,000 a day when a second walkout took place in 2012. The Supreme Court heard arguments in an appeal to a lower court ruling won by Democrats this week. Retired legislator Bill Crawford is the lead plaintiff. He paid about $3,000 in fines, it's wages that they they took uh, from me, and it impacted my, my my pension.
3: Our clients are entitled to it, whether they're lying on a beach in Barbados or cutting their grass at home on the weekends, or in the legislature. If it would uh, be at all possible for the uh, political parties in Indiana to set a national example of cooperation, this might be an ideal opportunity.
1: And that's Chief Justice Brent Dixon, in an unusual effort to produce a settlement during remarks made at the conclusion of the hearing. He was preceded there by Democrat Attorney Mark Giaquita Nikki Kelly. Will the two sides work this out without the help of the Supreme Court?
4: I don't think so. Um, I mean, they said yesterday they hadn't had a single settlement talk in the the entire time this case has been pending. And obviously, right after the Chief Justice said that, Brian Bosma specifically puts out the House Speaker, a, a statement in which he doesn't refer to that at all and simply says, we look forward to the Supreme Court ruling in our favor. So I don't really he think He said he looks there's... forward
1: to the Supreme Court confirming his authority.
2: Yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: he doesn't sound like he's in a position where he's willing to compromise.
2: Well, I would think that that's a natural. And, of course, they to get to the Supreme Court, they both have to have pretty firmly held positions. Uh, but I do think that's an interesting approach by the Chief Justice. And it, and it says something... You know, somebody who's watched the Supreme Court for a long time and wondered why they haven't, oh, say, taken on a case about log rolling or or gerrymandering or something like that directly related to the legislature. You know, if the legislature snubs them on this, then maybe they'll keep a keener eye out for something like that. Who knows? But. this This separation between the courts and the and the legislature is kind of an interesting dance right now,
1: well, clearly the Supreme Court is reluctant to get involved in a legislative issue uh, to settle what is essentially a, a political argument and the Republican argument in this case is that the court should stay out of it, so it doesn 't look good for the Democrats
0: well um, if you if you believe that politics infects the Supreme Court and folks you know will keep their political stripes even after they reach the bench but um, you know, I was proud of the statement that Scott Palath put out. You know, after all of this, that uh, you know, we need to come to a decision on this that not just for today or, or past fights, but uh, you know, one that can be looked at for a hundred years. But the, the
1: uh, minority leader in the House. Um, so clearly, he'd like to see the Supreme Court step in.
0: Well, I mean, ultimately, um, with with some of the arguments that were made in front of the Supreme Court, uh, you know, it, if they don't come to an agreement. Uh, I suspect that they will get involved.
1: All right. Based on the arguments, nobody's disputing the fines because the they're, 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 House rules allow for them. Uh, do you think that really the, the goal here is to get the money back from the fines?
3: No, I think that's the goal. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to, there's not going to be a settlement uh, for starters. There's too much anger still left over from the fact that Democrats walked in and didn't do the job they were elected to do constitutionally. And that that is that angst is very strong in the House of Republican Caucus, so I don't anticipate any kind of a compromise there. But you got to remember that after the 2011 session, they had an agreement. They worked it out, and the the agreement was that we're only going to take 20 percent out of your expense checks. And at that time, the Democrats said yes, well, but- that that works, and and we're happy mm-hmm. you did it. That no, that's true. That's that's exactly what they did. And they did it that way, and the Democrats were appreciative of that. But after the 2012 walkout, uh, there was no time to do that because there was a suit filed, and so they didn't have a chance to work that out.
1: But, and, but part of so the Democrat, now, if I could, part of the Democrat argument is that for the folks like Bill Crawford who live within a 50-mile radius right. of the state house, that's taxed as income. But so they were glad that they those, did it. But it's listed as expenses. It's to them, it's income. Well, well but I'm clear. just telling they you, that's the arrangement to which made.
4: They to 20%. They were happy that instead of 100% no, they of they were glad they didn't take it out their regular pay and they took out of, it out of their expenses. Well, that had already been paid, so it was yeah. never even an option.
3: Well, it was an option. It was on the table, and they were thankful that they had it. Believe me. Moving on. A
1: federal judge is strongly criticizing the Indiana Department of Corrections this week. Judge Tanya Walton-Pratt called the department deliberately indifferent to mentally ill inmates. The ACLU filed a lawsuit that claims Indiana prisons often isolate the mentally ill many times without treatment. The organization is demanding that ill prisoners be removed from their cells once a day and be able to socialize with others. The group says it's necessary for rehabilitation
3: going to be released one day and the question you have to ask yourself as a Hoosier
2: is do we want someone released who is acutely psychotic or do we want someone to who has been treated?
1: Ken Falk of the ACLU there Dan Parker will this lead to change?
0: Well it's already led to some changes uh, in DOC they they acknowledge that Um, you know mental health issues have obviously become a bigger issue uh, across the country since recent tragedies but um, You know, Michael and I might actually have sort of the same position on this, but, you know, DOC operates under a budget, and they have priorities. And, and, you know, obviously the federal courts need to step in when when, when a suit like this is taken in. But, you know, they operate under a situation where they don't have a limitless supply of money. Um, So will it lead to changes? Probably. It already has, and that's probably a good thing.
1: But uh, dealing with the mentally ill is a problem not only in the prisons, it's a problem for larger society, and and it's not being addressed uh, very well in this state or others.
3: Well, let's start with the fact that the Department of Corrections has a tough job to do here. Uh, Not only do they have to protect these people who have been incarcerated for a reason from society, they have to protect them from each other while they're under their care in these facilities. And so that's a tough thing to do and to start with. This will result in changes. There's no question in my mind that that'll be the case. And I think that you'll see the state of Indiana work with the ACLU to try to work out some arrangement to where people are more satisfied with the way this is handled than it is. So, you know, if that's that's a positive coming out of this, I think it is. And that likely means that the legislature is going to have to give more money
1: to...
4: Maybe, maybe not. I mean, the DOC, like other agencies, has been returning money to the general fund for several years, so they haven't even spent their full appropriations. And I think the DOC, just like some other agencies we've seen, have possibly compromised quality. This happened at the Department of Revenue for you know, because they're trying to be so efficient and speedy and save money, and sometimes it can't be all about the money. We have to consider the impact of certain cuts.
2: Are our priorities out of whack? Well, I think that uh, the judge called the DOC on its handling of this and said that that they were breaching the prison the inmate's rights. And um, you know, I, I think that I'll concede certainly that the DOC has a tough job. But you know, people don't forfeit their rights, and if if they've got a problem or if they have something that needs to be addressed in in a humane way, then they should spend the money to do that. We should, as a society, do that. That's a, that's a difficult call, but. Uh, That's what the federal court is saying right now.
1: Finally, one of the great sports stories of this or any year continues to play out here in Indianapolis. In fact, it's a story that's bigger than sports. After leading his team to a 28-16 win over favored Houston, all Indianapolis Colts coach Chuck Pagano and his players could do is celebrate in the locker room. Coach Pagano returned this week from three months of treatment for leukemia. His team is headed to the playoffs with a surprising 11-5 record, and Pagano said his players have no idea how much they helped him come back Mike McDaniel, can you put that in perspective for us?
3: Clearly one of the great sports stories in the history of this community, if not the history of this country, actually, uh, to rally, have a city rally around a a coach who really, they didn't know. He hadn't been here that long. Uh, And and to get behind him and the emotion that that took in gripping this team and driving them to the success that they had is unprecedented and a a very tough league to win any games, let alone 11 games. This is a great story. Uh, We should have a coach of the year out of this. Unfortunately, I don't think we will. But I think we're going to win a playoff game this weekend against Baltimore. A lot of people say
1: sports are are taken out of context. Too much importance is placed on them. This is a case where that's not, not true, right?
0: Absolutely not true. Great story. Hopefully you're talking about the Colts again next week.
1: That's Indiana Week in <laughs> Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Dan Parker, Republican Mike McDaniel, Nikki Kelly of the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at WFYI.org slash podcast or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of WISH-TV. We'll see you again next week.
2: Ice Miller, proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Things can go wrong in a thousand different ways. Businesses need a law firm that knows the thousand and first. The team of legal professionals at Ice Miller is committed to helping put the pieces back together. Ice Miller, it's a complex world. Be advised.